let's start with America. We'll get into Lebanon. We'll get yeah. into all that's happening. Um, but I'd like to start with America. And maybe we can, we can refer to an Arab news piece that you wrote referring to smart people that can make stupid decisions. No, no let, let, me tie, let, me, let me tie America to one of your, one of your favorite themes, which you have many re- recurring themes in your, in your, uh, uh, in your podcast. Mm. You ask people the same, the same questions. Sometimes you answer them yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you do have recurring. I've themes. learned from the best, and and, and, I, and I've been, uh, and I can, I'm imagining them as chapters in in, mm. in, in, a, in a best-selling book, which I oh. keep pressurizing you yes. to, yeah. pressuring you to to to, to write. But you, you well, know, thank you, you for have, writing the foreword. <laughs> so 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 you know we're both from Ras Beirut, more, yes. more or less. More or less, yeah. yeah. And uh, so the history of America and Ras Beirut, if you like, mm. goes back 200 years. It's, it's not the America which is post-World War II, the right. superpower, the imperialist, yeah. the whatever. The, it's, and, and at the time, yani in the 1820s, America itself was barely 40 years old. You can imagine. It was right. a formative period. Yeah for the Americans who came to Lebanon. Mm. It was a formative period in America. They were, they were marginal. They were the, the real Puritans. In, in America, was, they, America was far more liberal than they were. They were, right. they were the Puritans who came, who came here, yes. who were slightly bigoted. <laughs> and I think they learned from us as much as we learned from them. And, okay. uh, and, and that's you know, our history goes in parallel, mm. and they they did trigger a kind of uh, well the Arab Renaissance, what, what people call the Arab Renaissance, which is basically f- was mainly in in Lebanon and Egypt and and parts of Syria, yeah. was triggered by them, was uh, and they triggered a an educational revolution. Almost by uh, unintentionally, because they were they opened schools, and the Jesuits saw it as as uh, a threat to their influence. Right. So the Jesuits opened rival schools. You're referring now to just Saint Joseph, basically, and, Saint, and, well, and which others. became later Saint Joseph. Yes, right. Yeah. No, but but not not just AUB. I mean, I'm talking about the 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 Protestant schools that mm. were in Sul Gharab and in. Right. Uh, Abay and you know, and all over the mountain in Hamdun, mm, mm, mm. uh, and they were these people were establishment people in in, in America. They, uh, so so the the so, so if if you like, I American, never imagined hearing establishment referring to back then. Yeah, so no, they were they yeah. were. I mean, they were they were what you would call the wasp establishment. Mm, you know, when they went right. when they went back to the states, they they when someone like. Uh, Daniel Bliss or Bayard Dodge, someone went to went to America. He would he would uh, visit people, you know, like like uh, the Roosevelts, and uh, so he, they were they were not sort of uh, hillbilly or, yeah, or, right, right. or marginal people in, <laughs> yeah. in, in America. They were quite establishment people, yes. and they had uh, I mean their network was was influential. They had a, a huge influence here. In World War One, apart from the Nahda, and in World War One, in World War One, they they did the 
fundraising campaign which raised $30 million at the time. Oh, wow. $30 million at the time was something like... Uh, Hundreds of millions now. Something like uh, a billion and a half now, probably. Oh, wow. And it was spearheaded by Cleveland Dodge. Mm. And, uh, you know, they, they had half a million donors, individual donors, in the days of... Uh, you know, in the days of uh, snail mail and yeah. dip pens, <laughs> they wrote to people and they used the networks of churches and and uh, clubs and mm. Uh, mm. Uh, 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 all these. They used a lot of networks to, to, to. So they had half a million individual donors that were that were corresponded with by volunteers, and that was during the famine in Mount Lebanon. Right. During the the uh, Armenian massacres, the, uh, the the Greek refugee crisis, yes, in in so so the, you know there's there's a there's a long history, before with specifically a Ras Beirut history with 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 America, and I think some people in Ras Beirut are are possibly more tied to that old image of America than the Americans themselves. Just as a caveat, I'm, yeah. I've become, you know, I've only been in, in, in the States for five years, six years. So I've become a bit like an Americanist, a bit like or, like Americans who come here and become Orientalists. They, 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 they make generalizations and they, they pretend to be experts on... Uh, yeah, so I'm, so, but I've, I have been, it was a bit of a cultural shock for me to when I when I went when mm. I moved to the States. I used to visit all the time, but when I moved there, so I've been so a, a lot of my pieces are repeats of stuff I wrote before uh, as in policy papers and stuff, but in in a popularized form. But no, I'm I'm glad that you're okay, so you're yeah. doing something that I love and this is why I love speaking yeah. to you on this podcast and, and just in, in friendship is that the moment a question comes up about American policy, you're able to give it a very rich historical context in a way that impacts generations, it impacted you, it impacted me. Um, and it's the, I'm hearing from what you're saying that that's the smart people doing smart things as opposed to smart people doing stupid things. Very, no, no, dumb, I called it dumb. Dumb, sorry, yeah. Dumb, dumb is, I mean, uh, one of the explanations of dumb is when you can't speak, it's... <laughs> Yes, right. You know, there's yeah. dumb, there's stupid, there's yeah. imbecile, there's there's lots of, uh, right. you know, <laughs> lots of lots of words for for but, it. And I think it's more dumb because I think the bureaucracy that has developed in America in the last forty years, forty to fifty years, um, has rendered people dumb because they are it's they it's forbidden to think. You have a system. You have you have a Administrative system, where the 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 worst threat to that system is perceived as someone um, using their brain, someone using their judgment. So so. But so in that and layered in that, you have also two things going on, and I I'm, I'm assuming this is in in it's it's not necessarily flushed out in the piece directly, but it's a it's sort of the nuance between the influence of soft power 
that is education and the like, yes. which is really what, I mean, I, I guess if you're an Americanist, you're going back to that. We are, you, we are a product of that soft power. Absolutely. You and I. 100%. And your dad. And, every, and, yeah. and I think even the people that we associate with the most are direct consequence yes. in, in a positive way to that soft power. Yeah. And then you have something that America's equally known for, if not better known for in more recent times, hard power, and in a, what looks like humiliation in terms of Afghanistan in particular, yeah. but other examples come to mind. But Afghanistan is that, that mighty power that seems to trip on itself and exit in a very embarrassing way. Yes. And is it right to put it in that context that you have historically an America that was better at doing what we call, or maybe what you're referring to as that Americanizing, uh, that spread of ideas in a, in a very positive sense, the Pax Americana, versus this sort of Joe Biden's yes. excuses for why. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not Joe Biden, it's not just Joe, Joe mm. Biden. I mean, yeah. Joe Biden was, Sorry, is I mean, now the yeah. last, the yeah. last, you know, it's, uh, I, I try to avoid, you could be, uh, so, so the atmosphere in, in America now is so dysfunctional mm. and so polarized and so politicized that once you, once you mention, you, you immediately Democrat, polarize. you're right, yeah, you're right. It's a Trump, it's a Trump. Uh, no, it's both. It's every, I think, I think yeah. the whole system mm. is dysfunctional because of this bureauc bureaucratic system that was that has evolved that is recent i mean the example i gave which is which is from uh, which is not my example I mean someone someone else but, is that in in uh, in the late 60s or 1970 if you were a forestry commissioner mm, yes you yeah. would you would <laughs> you would go about your business yeah. with a little notebook that right. you put in your coat pocket <laughs> yes and you would have all the rules there yeah and now, without exaggeration, that, that same job would have rules of four to 5,000 pages, yeah. would have to refer to a, a, a team of administrators mm. of maybe a dozen people who would, who would uh, record and yeah. help navigate the rules and measure and, and uh, validate. And it's, it's become... And, and his... And, the, the bottom line is that uh, nobody should use their common sense or their judgment. That person should, every single decision should be taken according to a set of rules that are, part, that, that, that tick, you, you should tick the boxes and reach the decision that the rules imply. Now, I've seen this example in different ways, and I've, yeah. I've seen it shared on Twitter, and I'm going to bring up one, one particular example, mm -hmm. this uh, terrorism-counterterrorism dichotomy, oh, yes. Yes. where you have money spent on yes. the war on terror, yeah. and then it's creating problems in itself that are as toxic as the war, so that you have almost an endless payment mm. yeah. system, and I think... I hope I remember this right. You were using that terminology. Bureaucracy is yeah. driving this war to insanity. Well, you see, the bureaucracy, bureaucracy means budgets. Budgets means jobs. Yeah. 
when I went to um, to the States, I went to I was in a in a, in a school which had very very clever people, mm. and for all these people, the the Middle East from probably from Bangladesh to Marrakesh, you know, <laughs> the whole the whole Islamic world was ISIS. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the reason why I, I mean. They they were they were looking for because they wanted to establish themselves as experts in yeah. counter because there were so many jobs. There was a there was an article in the in the Washington Post which 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 gave the the figures of how many people were engaged in counterterrorism work and and how many report I think fifty thousand individual yeah. reports yeah. are published a year. There aren't enough people to read them. Or to digest them, you know, they're, they're, and this is all fueled by bureaucratic budgets, yeah. and and uh, um, and it doesn't. And you can you can get m- much better information from a taxi driver. In, That's in, the example in, I remember. In, in, yes, in the, in the in the region, because you're also because uh, um, <laughs> the intelligence system. Uh, doesn't allow you to speak to human beings. There's, there's a, there's a, there is a ban on human intelligence uh, in in uh, in America, especially when it comes to counterterrorism. What mm. you do is you do big data yeah. uh, through uh, keyword searches in on 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 social media, and you do correlations with events and, and things and. Uh, you profiles that theor- very theoretical profiles, and it's really, uh, and that's how, uh, you know, the mi- millions and billions are, are are spent. So that do you think? And I know I'm I'm lumping two things here that don't necessarily line up properly, but the 1800s that you describe, this uh, America that's new and fairly new, investing what is today a over a billion dollars in this education system outside, right, in Ottoman uh, Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And you have a bloated bureaucracy today that doesn't offer much policy as opposed to just expenditure. expenditure. Yeah, but you're talking about two different Americas. Right. You're talking yeah. about the swamp, <laughs> which is Washington, D.C., which is the American government, and you're talking about we're the, past we're past Trump. Yes, we you're are. Still, you're still using his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, no, you're talking about them. I mean, the, the, the American government, the relations between the Middle East, the Arab world, and the United States is not purely government to government. Right. So, our universities, yeah, LAU and AUB and AUC and all these. We have huge networks. I mean, over the two, the last two hundred years or so, yes, we have huge networks of, yeah. of graduates of you know companies. Mm. The major companies were yeah. staffed and created by graduates of our. These are the people who interacted with, who worked with Americans, mm-hmm. interacted with them. Uh, they built the Gulf. <laughs> The, 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 yeah, the, the, you know uh, the, 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 these the big companies like CAT, like Khatib Alami, yes, GC, yes. Uh, yeah. uh, and and CCC and all that, all that. These were done by 
they are products of AB of of the region. But that 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 the, the advertising yeah. industry and the media is a product of of the LAU uh, communication arts department. Uh, uh, but that that healthier chapter, let's say, versus what we saw recently, more recently, not just in Afghanistan. We can take it. We can expand. Uh, and this includes the Trump administration. It's not limited to yeah, Biden. Yeah, yeah. It's that less concern today with American footprint. And maybe maybe for only because that it's primarily not, it's not soft power, it's hard power. The soft power conversation, I think that you hold on to, and I do too, I agree it's not being, it's not, it's not respected maybe at nearly as much as oh, the Americans are leaving and the Taliban is taking over again. Yeah, it's, you know, you're trying to find a rational explanation. Trying, yeah. Yes, and I was reading a lot of very rational analysis about America's policy mm. and about, uh, you know, uh, uh, lots of amazing conspiracy theories, beautiful ones. I wish I could invent some, some like that, some, <laughs> like, some like that, you know. By people who deal in geopolitics, you know the, the geopolitics dabblers and, and all that. Dabblers. And and I asked myself, what if it's none of that? What if it's mm. just pure dumb? What if it's just what what if it's what if it's what if there's no rationale? What mm. if what if it's pure uh, compartmentalization of ideas and thought yeah. in such a way that no one can see the larger picture. And I think this is, so that's my answer to mm, mm. So There's no conspiracy theory. Yeah. There's no, it, it looks awful. It looks immoral. It looks, you know, uh, some of the pronunciation, I mean, uh, some of the stuff we heard in after, after Afghanistan, are shameful. Oh, the American... Uh, yes, oh, and, and it's very politicized. Yeah, yeah, yeah of you know? course. And, and, you know, we heard it mainly from Democrats trying to justify it. I can imagine what these same people would be saying if it was Trump that did that... that there were some that Trump... Blunder. I mean, Stephen Miller said some horrible things. Yes, and, no, but, but I mean, I mean if, 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 if Trump had done that, it would be mm. the Democrats who would be taking the moral high ground. In terms <laughs> of the, the way the, the Americans yes, exited, yeah. The... the, the, the but but it's I think it's totally irrational. I that's mm. that's my I I try to explain it in 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 that way. Yeah, because you are not paid. It's not that you're not paid. You'll be punished if you think above your pay grade. And the United States has huge. Intelligence capacity, you know, it's about eighty billion. I think I tried once to eighty billion dollars <laughs> the intelligence mm. budget, mm. fifty-five billion dollars the the uh, State lot. Department for the diplomacy. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, the think tanks, the policy institutes, yes. the yeah. media, or universities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a huge capacity. Yeah. The sum is way below. I mean, to be generous, way below, way below the. I mean, the result is way below the sum of its parts. It it, and and I, I think it's because of compartmentalization. So someone with a management, sort of, or 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 an organizational or a matrix, 
uh, or 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 a or a or an algorithm or yes. whatever you want to call it, created a system whereby someone like Rani Shata is defined as a podcaster. <laughs> yes, he can only so 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 you're assigned your counterparts, and you're assigned the subjects you can talk about. Yeah, yeah? and you have to stick to them. Hmm. You cannot go beyond. You cannot talk to other people. Uh, it's not within. So if you are if you are a marine or if you're in the navy and you go on a on a on a intelligence exchange between you speak to your counterpart about about navy navy issues. You do not speak. You don't have the larger picture. And you've seen it. I mean, how many times do you hear people? talking about policy and they say we are focused on the evacuation from the airport we are focused on fighting isis oh sure that's we the, are every, focused every on, news uh, we are channel. laser focused on such and such <laughs> you know this word focus means means exactly the opposite it means we are totally unfocused about anything else but does that it means we are totally oblivious of anything else that's happening. But can I take it into another direction? The irrationality that you're describing, or yeah. the dumb policy, the, that yeah, in the, in, the, in, the, in the best use of the term, best I mean, use in of the, the most term. polite. Uh, sure. Yeah. Does that go as far as to include the American duration in Afghanistan? So in other oh, yes. words, okay. So it's not just the no, exit; it's the whole thing. No. Yes. It's. I mean, how can Anyone spend 2.2 trillion yeah. in a country which has a GDP of less than 20 billion. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how can you do that? Right. Uh, with no impact, <laughs> with, with leaving leaving people as poor as you as as you found them. Yeah. And and uh, where does this money go? I mean, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, I, I don't yeah. want to pronounce the C word, but but it, I'm sure it it's it has something to do with it, but. Uh, 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 we are the ones accused of corruption, rather. I mean, if it is corruption, it's corruption on a on a on a scale that is unimaginable. The 2.2 trillion is a is a political number. Hmm. It's it's got extrapolations, and uh, you know they hmm. they they. Uh, uh, I've seen I've seen the the calculations on Iraq, for example, yeah. on the costs of. War on Iraq, the the, the number, the, the the casualties in Iraq, you know, they withdrew them in the end yeah. from from the Lancet and stuff like that. They were, they, um, um, they this, they're just political figures. So that kind of spending, yeah. compared to two hundred years ago or so, spending in things that are they're they're permanent. Ross Beirut, AUB has no. Me, it's society. It's so. It's still you have to make a distinction between the government and voluntary yeah. and private sector and corporations and uh, uh, you know even even Aramco is 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 slightly different even though Aram, I mean Aramco is a separate company so so I think I mean the accumulation the the cumulative effect of all the Americans who have interacted with the Middle East. Through Aramco, through the universities, mm, through meeting mm. people like you and me, mm. like, through meeting uh, graduates of our universities yes. and our schools and our, 
uh, are, have nothing to do with the government. This is not the government sector. This is an interaction between a society and another society. Right. And one of the things I'm trying to do in, in, in New York with, with, with LAU is to continue that kind of inter interaction, which is non-governmental. It's Right. So, so that's... That, 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 you have to separate. Well, the, UK, the US government... Post-1970, the U.S. bureaucracy is not the same as the, the, the America that we have interacted with over the last 200 years. 1970, you're referring to Vietnam? No, 1970, era? I'm referring to, I mean, it's in a book, it's in a brilliant book, actually, by, by, by uh, someone called Philip, Philip Howard, with whom I'm... I got in touch, I mean, we got in touch with each other after that I wrote this little piece. And, and uh, he, he, he traces it back to a uh, federal court judge in Texas <laughs> who, who, who decreed that, uh, who was an advisor to President Johnson mm. and during the big society thing, the great society uh, So, so sorry, that's the spending gets, goes crazy. Who, who decreed that the soft underbelly of any ad administrative system is if anyone uses their brain <laughs> or their judgment. There, no one is, should be allowed anywhere down the line mm. to use their, 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 their judgment or their experience or their knowledge or their instinct or their hunch or their, you know... Um, You have, you know, it's not, you're not just your credentials. Hmm. You know, you have a BA and an MA and we cannot reduce you to credentials. You have, you have an experience. You are a very complex personality. I mean, yes, maybe more than others, but, but, but you are, uh, the cumulative effect of your experience and all that can, allows you to make judgments your travels, your interaction with people, the degrees you've taken, your education, your, your, uh, the, the, the tragedies that you've been through, the, everything is, makes you a person that has judgment. Yeah. You, it would be, you're prohibited from using judgment. You become dumb because you have to follow rules and if you do not reach the objective if you, don't, you have a target and you have rules to reach that target. If you don't reach the target and you follow the rules, you're fine. If yeah. you break the rules right. and you achieve the target, you're not. You can go to jail for that. So it's that kind of a system that has rendered, that, that has resulted in things like Afghanistan, like Syria, like Iraq, with huge amount of spending that nobody can trace. You know, the, 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 there was a congressional, I, I, I would love someone to do a study of this because it's congressional funding, which means it's audited and traceable probably. Mm. There was $500 million spent to train rebels in Syria. Yes, right. Which were, I don't know how much of it was spent, probably all of it. But they produced almost none, nobody. They, they, produced, they produced five soldiers or something, something, something who yeah. defected later. Yes, yes. Or, or uh, I mean, that's, uh, I, I'm sure everyone worked very hard. I'm sure they, 
they they didn't steal the five hundred million dollars. Yeah, but still, I would I'd love to see to see how this happened. Let's link this yeah. into more familiar terrain, at least when it comes to what we're going through here in Lebanon. Yes. But of course, it's not just Lebanon. Uh, I would I don't think I've ever asked you this uh, this question, and I think it ties into everything you're talking about, from bureaucracy to uh, yeah. dumb. <laughs> uh, I'll use your word. Um, I think th- at least the feeling is that the default American position in recent memory for this country and the region is stability and crisis management. Meaning, an issue pops up, there's no appetite to actually fix the problem. It's really just to quickly, as, as easily as possible, find a way to just cool the temperature. And I'll give you a direct example. Um, there's a, almost an accepted now American green light for Syria's return, or at least some Syrian influence in our economy. Not necessarily Bashar al-Assad, it could yeah. be just Russian-backed Syrian regime and Lebanon that's coming back. Mm. And there seems to be an acceptance to that. Uh, I don't think the Americans really think of Iran's policies in the region as problematic the way we do. I think they probably see it as we can work with this regime in ways that maybe the region yeah. would not want the Americans to do so. Yeah. It could also be the, uh, the fact that I don't think Lebanon has friends anymore in, in, in those circles, at least when it comes to American curiosity. And the Syrian uprising is, is over. Now you have yes. Assad and that's, Russia. That's quite a lot of things you've no, said. No, but you, the reason you, I'm, you, I'm you, laying it out in yes. a way is because what you described as the, these two decades in Afghanistan, so much money spent, and it doesn't look like a success story other than bin Laden was killed in Pakistan some 10 years ago. Yeah. But the Afghanistan project did not work out. Is, yeah. there, is there something like that, at least in, when it comes to countries that are now under Iranian tutelage, that there's no, there's no appetite to even try this out? Yes. Beyond these rare occurrences that we saw under the Trump administration, that sort of very eccentric uh, moment where you kill Qasem Soleimani, yeah. Everybody was surprised by that. That's the only sort of moment we saw American pushback. So yeah. I know it's, it's, a, it's maybe sloppily asked, yes. but is there a comparison? These past two decades in Afghanistan and the way the Americans see the Middle East in general. Right. Now, uh, here, here I'm really going to make a mess of things. Please do. It's pure speculation. Sure. But I think that... Well, I mean, obviously, I don't. It's very obvious that September 11 was a hugely traumatic uh, event mm. to everybody, and that somehow it created a policy where, I mean, if you if you look at American policies and strategies and, and all that, they 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 see the they see their strategy as that of confronting threats. Yes. They don't see it as that of supporting friends. 
They see it right. as right. fighting enemies and confronting threats. Yeah. So the result of confronting threats is that sometimes you're you're making those threats bigger by 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 confronting them. I mean, the example I give is that if Mike Tyson had challenged me to to the uh, World Heavyweight Championship, I would be the winner. Because for Mike Tyson to, to beat me up is no achievement whatsoever. For me to become number two is huge. So, so now you have President Biden in two speeches and endless discussions on NPR, on C-SPAN, on everything. And they're all talking about ISIS Khorasan. Yes. I can imagine the leader, of, which is like a couple of hundred people maybe, yeah. you know, a few dozen maybe, I don't know who they are. Yeah. But, but I can imagine the mother of their, that, how proud she is <laughs> of, her, of her son and how big his ego has become because now he is the enemy of the United States. He's been elevated to, to, to that. So when you, when, you, when you see the world as a series of threats, sometimes you make those threats bigger and more important. And, at the sa- and you, do, you do that at the expense of your friends because your friends then become the traitors and, mm. and they become dispensable. They right. become... They become uh, you know, uh, they, they get killed. Yes. You know, assassinations yeah. right. in Iraq are because they are now. Yeah. Yeah. And now that's when you when you fight them. And if you choose not to fight, you engage and you negotiate. And when you negotiate, you negotiate also at the expense of your enemies, of your right. friends. Right. So so basically, when when uh, when America fights enemies, it's undermining its friends. When it, when it compromises with enemies, it's also undermining its friends. When, when America engages with its friends because they are people who have the same objectives, who have similar, similar view of the world or similar values or, or, uh, or, or uh, you know, vision or mm. whatever, yeah. uh, uh, the result is completely different. The, the result is, uh, I mean, I, uh, the example, I think the, the obvious example of this is, is uh, the, the surge in, in Iraq. Right. The surge in 2007, 2008. Yes. The surge was America engaging with its allies and friends in mm. the north, mm. in, in uh, uh, among, amongst the tribes uh, and amongst the, yes. the uh, and what do they used to call it the Sunni triangle right? yeah, some, well, some, yeah some strange uh, yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, and to fight to fight uh, Al Qaeda right yeah. they eradicated Al Qaeda from Iraq yeah yeah and the cities were were liberated from Al Qaeda and the people were were pleased to be liberated from Al Qaeda that's when you engage your friends. When you, when you decide to fight hmm. your enemy, first of all, you, uh, fighting, fighting ISIS destroyed Fallujah, uh, uh, Ramadi, Mosul. Right. Yes. You know, you're focused on fighting the enemy, hmm. 
and your enemy starts killing your, your old friends because they were the ones who collaborated with you. Right. You don't care about that because you're laser focused on fighting the enemy. And even when, you're, when you run out of targets, you, 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 you hit targets again because that's your focus. And you know, most of the churches in, in, uh, in Mosul were destroyed by the Americans, not by, not by ISIS. Because they, just in case, just in case there were ISIS hiding inside them, you know, it's so. So, that's, uh, but that's that's something that's gone wrong. At least no, when it, it comes to it, it went very well. But it's uh, the 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 I mean the uh, it went, went both went very well, mm. but both had different focus. Right. But so let, so yeah. fighting ISIS according to the Americans was a complete success. But it was a, a disaster success for us. Right, right. Fighting, uh, f uh, engaging with the the the, uh, the tribes and the, the Sunni mm, uh, mm. uh, Asher and tribes in to fight uh, Al Qaeda was 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 a complete success too. So if you're completely completely focused on on part of it and you don't see the bigger picture, they were both successes. And it's the same in in southern Iraq now. Uh, there is, there is, there is no, there is no. The, the, the Americans are focused on enga on engaging with Iran, on right. on on uh, uh, negotiating with Iran. They don't see that there are militias in southern Iraq mm, mm, mm. that killed the son of a woman who challenged them. You know, when when she was defiant. Right. So, so in that sense, so, when when the in that in that paradigm, Iran is not a problem. As long it's as not identified. So, so in the threats, when you, if you listen to President Biden's threats, mm. he does not mention the Revolutionary Guards, uh, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, as a threat. Right. Even though it is the IRGC that's excuse the term. I, I let me find a euphemism that's ruining American policy. Everywhere in the, in the region, in Palestine, in Syria, in Lebanon, in Iraq, in Yemen, the, the biggest threat to yeah. American policy in the region uh, as a whole is 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 is, is, is IRGC. Yeah. Uh, but America is focused on one thing at a time; it doesn't see the big picture. Yet we do. There are a million people in Washington D.C. who see it. Okay, so let's. I mean, I know we, we've kind of. So I, I'd like no, but I want to bring it back to. You want to move? You want to move to another subject? No, 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 no. It's the same subject, but it's the. I'm trying to link it to. I mean, you you laid it out well with this sort of. It could be described, maybe perhaps, as foolish spending that much money on a country without any success that they can hold on to, other than, and you've said it already, Bin Laden is gone. Uh, the Al-Qaeda that we knew back then is gone, yeah. and the Taliban are not threatening America directly right now, so they're not a problem to America. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, no, but, uh, but this, is, this is a cover-up. You know, it's scandalous how some analysts now in Washington, D.C. Are, uh, are trying to say, well, uh, you know, trying to soften the blow by mm. saying that, mm. well, you know, the Taliban's are 
they could they could change. Uh, yes, they could, they, yeah. they're, they're not a threat to us. Sure. Or let's see how they behave. Yes, and it's coming from uh, government officials the, too. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but also from uh, it's very politicized. Yes, you know, but but it's shameful. But taking that and applying it to Iran, is it the same kind of policy where you're only focusing really on the on the threats that America determines are threatening? Otherwise, America's let's say America's allies, or people that are trying to confront this machine, they're not important. Again, you're trying to find the rationale. <laughs> it's true. I think it's pure, dumb local politics. Well, now I know the name of you the know, they, episode, they, Dumb Politics. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, I mean basically, uh, uh, it's, it's flip-flop. You know, <laughs> it's what you call flip-flop uh, policies. It's the... the, the uh, uh, because the... The, the Republicans see Iran as a threat. You 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 don't see them as you don't see Iran as a threat. Oh, so you think it's that polarized? It's that silly. No, no. But do you think it's at that level oh, yes. now, where the oh, Democrats? Yeah. yeah. Because the, the Republicans... real Sunni-Shia divide mm. doesn't exist in the Middle East. It exists in Washington D.C. You have you have Shiite analysts. <laughs> you, have, you know you have people who think that oh, the Shias are nice people and they're, they're, they're not a threat and we can work with the IRGC. And they mourned the death of Soleimani far more than anyone in Iran mourned him, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And, and you have people who think that it is the Wahhabis, you know, they, they have, they, mm, they, mm, this mm. Is, it becomes, the biggest threat to the world is the Wahhabis. And uh, they, so, in they, that sense, this they issue... They don't even know what it means, what the word means. But <laughs> I, I, ne I ne never thought of it this way, that our regional problems in America, with very little knowledge, are politicized. Becomes, becomes far more polarized and politicized than they are here. We speak to each other here. They, they, they don't talk to each other there. If you're pro-Iranian or pro... They, they don't even attend their own, their, each other's seminars. There's no debate. You, know, there's, it's you attribute the lack of understanding to this issue as well, the dumb politics? Because I know you, you mentioned... They're focused, they're focused. On, on screwing the other side, excuse the term. Rather, uh, internally in, in Washington, D.C., on defending the, the policy, defending the JCPOA. If, uh, uh, and and if, if you were not part of the, uh, the JCPOA party, then you're focused on trashing the JCPOA. Hmm. There is very there, and it's there is no object. There's there are very few people who are who think in Washington D.C. and and who are objective. And, and these are not the government types. These are more. No, the there are some analysts. in government, but they but but I don't think they had in the in the bureau in the bureaucracy. Hmm. Their ideas are never absorbed. I mean. One little phone call to anyone, to, uh, I mean, give you a million, a dozen people in Washington, D.C. to call, and you'd get perfect analysis, but it doesn't enter into the bureaucracy for some reason, doesn't reach. There are very clever people in Washington. It's probably the highest concentration of PhDs and, uh, in the world, you know, people mm -hmm. uh, and... and uh, People with great experience and mm. cosmopolitan <laughs> outlook, and, but but somehow it doesn't translate into into, into policy. And then they get they they are busy with with uh, 
uh, finding a job, you know, you have you have to support the. Uh, I, I, a lot of the stuff I read is is basically positioning themselves to enter the administration because then you live off. I've worked on this in three administrations and stuff like that. It's a it's a bit of a rocket. It doesn't produce anything. I mean, I mean, okay. So I've I've heard you describe bureaucracy's ills many times, but yes. I did, never heard you describe it in this very American foreign policy uh, specific term. Yeah, as an Americanist, you know, as an like, Americanist, like an Orientalist, right. yes. <laughs> I think I will also figure as the one who speaks more than you do in the podcasts. That's what I look for. Yeah. See, that's that's why I love these conversations with you. I can barely get a question in, which is the way it should be. No, but I mean, uh, let me go back yes. to let's let's go back to AUB because I think it's a nice foundation, and I think you are one of the few guests that naturally brings up Ross Beirut for any conversation we're talking about. This time, it's really it's American, American involvement, American involvement. But you see AUB today struggling. You see yeah. a university that sometimes cannot afford to keep its hospital running at full, uh, full. Uh, I mean, electricity can go out, and then you have patients without uh, life support. So there's very tragic circumstances. You go back in time that AUB is the shining star for the region, and not that long ago. You can go back, I mean, you're a product of those years. Maybe yours are closer to the Civil War, but speak to anyone that went to AUB post-Lebanon's independence up until the 1970s. This university is almost like a dream palace to them. And I think of it that way as well. I went to AUB not that long ago, 10, 15 years ago, and for me, it was, that, that's the standard. Right. And it, it pains me, and it pains, I think, anyone involved with the uh, AUB community to see it going through this very difficult uh, circumstance. Is it fall into this story as well that what America, what, Amer what societies produced together over many decades and generations, that that's not there anymore in the way that it used to be? even though there is a direct overlap. I mean, mm -hmm. the interchange is obvious. People speak to each other, people interact with each other. There's every single Zoom panel that you can go on. People are talking with each other all the time around the world. AUB is not a local story. AUB is a global story now. Yes. But does it fall into that sort of dumb policy that you have to almost beg now people to help AUB? No, I mean, the, the, the problem is too big. You see, I mean, it's both AUB and LAU have received uh, significant support from USAID in the mm. last two years during, during the crisis. Right. But it is a major crisis, and it's tied to the country. It's, it could be, now you, you, it's, it's where we can move to this idea of Lebanon as the cosmopolitan yeah. uh, center of of, 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 the, of the region. Yeah. Uh, if that's finished, if that's over, then AUB is part of that, LAU is part of that, Absolutely. even the Jesuits, the Jesuit University is part of that. The banking sector is part of it. They, they uh, I mean, uh, 
it's the end. It's and 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 that's so I'm. I have two narratives about Lebanon. One yeah. is the very optimistic one, and one is the the the, the, the extremely pessimistic one. So the very optimistic one is that I think that Lebanon will recover very quickly, far more quickly than any of these experts can can calculate. Look 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 around you. I mean, the the economy has adjusted to the crisis. Most I, I can name you dozens of people that you know that live in Lebanon with their families. Their their kids go to schools and universities and places, mm. and and they have their but they, but they make their money abroad. They they live here. They travel for a couple of days a month to Africa, to Europe, to to the Gulf, to, yeah. even to Malaysia and China and uh, and to New York. Uh, but but they live here. <laughs> they live here. Yes, they, exactly. They, they, they yeah. live here. And and these these are people who are affected by the global uh, economic uh, problems, yeah. of course. But they will recover much quicker than others in in Lebanon, and and the people who those people who and I think I believe they're a significant amount of the economy, mainly because of the crisis that the economy has been going through, because of the high interest rate, because of the recession in the past few years, these people have adjusted to that and started regenerating their income from abroad instead of here look look at the big companies look at Dar al-Handasa Khatib Alami and all these hmm. how many how much of their income is generated in Lebanon today i don't think any of it is being generated here i think i think probably 10% maybe uh, yeah that, that something uh, very small. their contracts are in uh, in africa and yeah. In or Asia, other Jordan maybe in, or whatever. In Brazil, Just, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have they have uh, or Jordan yeah. or so 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 these people are if the right circumstances uh, return, these people will reco- will 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 recover quickly. And though the, the the sector of the economy that lives off them hmm. will recover quickly with them. The people who have uh, so there will be different speeds of recovery. Uh, those who, who uh, uh, I mean, people who work for the government will, mm. will, will not recover very quickly. But, that, but that's a very, I mean, I don't want to, I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt, but that seems to be the crowd that, but can, that, that's if that it, can survive uh, that's if chaos. They're not the... That's if you're going in the right direction. If the country is going into the right, into the right direction. Yeah. If the country is going in the wrong direction, which is mainly a political direction, mm. yeah, then it could be the end of Beirut and of Lebanon as we know it. It's no longer that hub of ideas, of education, of medicine, of So tourism. the optimism is really at the, it's the edge of the story, which is uh, you have a circumstance where the Iranian, Iran's influence takes a step back, it doesn't get replaced by Russian-backed Syrian influence. You have uh, a society that is able to, in a way, address key issues that have not been addressed, that could be sovereignty issues, 
could be things that are foundational. I mean, the optimism we'll, is we'll, like... We'll get back to sovereignty later. Okay. Because I, I, you know, You're not a fan is, of sovereignty, which I like. No, uh, I yeah. think sovereignty is overrated. It's overrated. I mean, yes. Sorry, that's your... <laughs> that's the one, yeah. I should always quote you directly. Yes, it's always better than what I think. <laughs> okay, but I, I meant more that going in the right direction means not ending up where we got to. And that seems to be a fundamentally different uh, story. Yeah, so, so now it depends. It depends what you mean by ending up where we got to. So, so, so this means why did we get here, and where are we now, and where are we going? I think I think you and I would agree to this. Yes. That Hezbollah carries a hefty burden when it comes to that tragedy, and it carries a burden not just politically; it carries a burden economically too. So that. You, you, do you see that issue getting addressed? Because I think optimism really requires that to be addressed. Well, it's more it's more complicated than that. Mm. It's how how are how are we going to live to re- recover the Lebanon where forget about Shia how we can live with honests or how we can live yeah, with no no I'm with, sorry I, I, I didn't mean defeating more than I meant um, I'll, I'll I'll rephrase yeah. it's. No, it's, I know you don't mean that, but yeah. I think I think this lies at the bottom of, uh, you know, this is the bottom line of the federalist. Uh, oh, th- those who those who are talking about federalism, uh, basically, yeah. you know, crudely put, we can't live with the Shia anymore. Let them have their Hezbollah, let them have their uh, stuff. But I don't, th- uh, but but that's not. That, I, I think I don't think that's the solution, and. The re- the Lebanon that will result from that is not a Lebanon anymore. I agree, and I'll I'll, so I'll, I'll say a few things here. Uh, the recent episode I did with uh, that that sort of a third of it was on federalism. Yes. With uh, Hisham Bounassif. Yes. He's an academic in the U.S. and Absolutely, he's. Um, yes. I think that that word could be sort of uh, explained in different ways. You have clearly you have the prejudice types mm-hmm. that are promoting it. They're mostly online. Um, that these are they seem to be a crowd that doesn't want to live with each other. That's the motive. Yeah. Then you have that sort of more refined, I think, perspective. And Hisham, I think, belongs in that camp where it's yeah. But it's, he, he, his assumption is that Lebanon will be will be secular. In a way, there are so many contradictions in the parts. That I, I didn't listen to the whole. I, I mean, it's it's a step by step. It's almost it, so yeah. he makes it very clear because he's saying that he was uh, the part that he was saying that. If people in Kisarwan want to have uh, uh, want to have a civil marriage and people in uh, Nabatiya don't, then they're free to free to do it. And, I mean, I th- so I, I, let's actually, you know what? We can yeah. even take out what he would want to see in a federalist Lebanon. He does say it outright that a sovereign, neutral Lebanon is a precondition to getting there anyway. So he yes. does see that there's things that need to be done first. It's not neutral, first. So okay, well, it, but I, okay. So without, we, we, we'll reach the well, neutrality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I, I only mean it in that. Um, I don't. I didn't uh, mean that you have to defeat or even sort of. It's better to live with one flavor as opposed to the other. I think all are quite delicious in Lebanon, and everyone should be able to live happily with each other. And I agree with you on something else, that the National Pact and everything that went into it, and not just the National Pact, but the generations that it took for this very old idea to modernize and find a way to survive in a region that was very chaotic and very troubled, and it pulled through, that that should be respected and and, and it should be uh, 
It shouldn't be bashed, it shouldn't be uh, criticized, and I think it is unfairly criticized. Among new historians and among many that see sectarianism in particular as the core problem. So that said, uh, I, your optimism, going back into the, the, the names you reference, I know these people. These are construction tycoons. These are people that have assets. Yeah. They can survive. I think they do well, and they do fairly well abroad, and they do well here when things are good, and they, they wither storms. But I'm talking now really about everyone else that took a nosedive in this country. I mean, I don't know anyone doing okay. No, nobody's doing okay, and they yeah. are not doing okay either. Because but yeah, but, but you but, said it, the way you said it was uh, that they will be the first to kind of no, they will be if Lebanon returns to its norm to its normal path, mm. which is the its role, if if you like, and yeah. its, its external connections and and, and, and all that. Mm -hmm. They will be the first to recover. They will be the first to leave if it doesn't. <laughs> they'll be the first to recover. Right. And you have a whole infrastructure of people who are employed by them, mm. who live off the people who are employed by them. There's a whole economy yeah. built on money that is not even created in Lebanon. Money that is created outside, with contracts outside, right. with businesses outside. Um, I thought it was only the major big companies, you know, it's adver you know advertising mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, the media and and all, but but it's it's much more. It's it's uh, even small businesses. People have, you know, uh, people have uh, uh, ga gas stations in 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 different countries, and they live here, and they just go and make sure that their managers are are working properly on but, them. But does this optimism... Because it's a nice place to live. Right. Oh, I agree, but the optimism, does that extend to those that have... I mean, they've moved from what was a shrinking middle class to near poverty. I mean, is that... Of course. So does the optimism extend there, in this recovery? The, the, the Lebanese economy relied on services and abroad and people uh, people who make money abroad when it became un, un, uneconomical yeah. to to create money here. Mm -hmm. We had we had a very uh, healthy industrial sector mm. composed of Syrians, you know. Yeah. Syrians left Syria and built factories here. Yes. Before even before the civil war, yeah, yeah. because because it's where you have the markets, it's where you have the the you know a free economy. It's where where uh, so uh, it's it's not just it's you have. I'm talking about an open society with freedom and with uh, which is tolerant of each other and of people who come to it. I mean... Uh, so the optimism is really in... It's almost like uh, it's it's more the goal. It's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. What's go what, what could happen is mm. that we could become another Gaza uh, and and then everybody will leave. Even you and I. I mean, we, we're, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at an age where I can live anywhere. Yeah. But but um, uh, a whole... A, a whole uh, uh, people will leave. People, people left. People exactly. left Alexandria. People left Smyrna 
people left uh, uh, Mosul, people left Aleppo, people left all these places, even before the current destruction. Mm-hmm. There was a, the, the people who came to Lebanon <clears throat> were the cosmopolitan types, the remnants of the Ottoman way of life, where, who, are, who are not nationalists. So, so, so that's why I think nationalism and sovereignty and all that is, over, is overrated, because Lebanon was never nationalist or sovereign or aimed to be. It was not, you see, it was not neutral. It was, we'll, we'll go down this road, but yes. before we go down, I want to make sure I got it right. So the optimism is the goal. That's what Lebanon was and should be and hopefully will be again. The optimism is that we, we are on a ship which could be going in one way, in one direction or another. Yeah. If it goes in the right direction... That's the optimism. Then it will recover much faster right. than people think. If it goes in the wrong direction, mm. it will go... It will sink much faster than people think. So the pessimism is where, and up until maybe, was it last Friday when the government was announced? That doesn't really send much hope no, no, necessarily. No. Yeah, so pessimism is the trajectory that we've been on for a few years, that it just accelerates yes, we've downward. Been, we've been slowly being, be, we've been held hostage mm. and isolated. Yeah. And, and, uh, our economy was drained yeah. uh, f- for the last 10 years, for, since 2011. The, the, I'm not saying that we were perfect before, mm-hmm. but we had, we had problems. Uh, but, but the downward sort of trajectory started in, in, around then. Right. So, so it's really a fork in the road. Yeah, and it, that, exactly. It, okay. We'll go now to sovereignty and neutrality because I love that you find those ways of sort of countering it in an unusual way, for me at least. Uh, for me, sovereignty is foundational. I can't, I can't escape this. And I know that you, the overrated thing is quite interesting in that you're able to describe it in a historic way, that cosmopolitanism, this openness, this anti-nationalism uh, doesn't need sovereignty because it's more... It's an older way of just governing, and it worked here. I would say, I would suggest at least that the reason we lost a lot of that over the years is that we Absolutely. lost is that we lost shades of sovereignty. I would agree. I would agree. This country was never sovereign the way we think of that word, but I think the shades of it that were available post-independence, kept Lebanon an anomaly in the region. It was not sovereignty, and it was not neutrality. Let's go there. Yes? You, you, let's, let's open the store. And it goes deep in, in history, and I'll explain to you why. Mm. But basically, Lebanon was protected, and it was not neutral. It was... I don't know what the word for it, not neutralized, it's it, it, in Arabic, it's the difference between al-hiyad, mm. which is neutrality, neutrality yeah. and tahyid, which means... Mm. Disassociate, I, I it, guess, right? Yes. Disassociate. I mean, disassociation uh, is a word that was used in 2011, 2012. With Ba'abda, the, the, the Ba'abda, Ba'abda declaration. And yeah. you know who the father of Ba'abda is? 
it is your father. And he explained it to us. I went with a few, to, it was, I think, the last time I saw him. I went with... Uh, no, you saw him one more time with me. <laughs> at the Corniche, we had At the Corniche, was, yes, was with, after, uh, yes. Yeah. But but I went to I went to, with friends from Switzerland who wanted to create a dialogue in Lebanon to create agreement and all that, mm. and he explained to us what he was discussing with uh, with Hezbollah and with mm. others, which was in a, in a way this association. He was saying that we have to to uh, to agree that we see the world in different in different ways and we will never see eye to eye. And that our visions are incompatible. But they also don't depend on us completely. We cannot resolve these issues. We will never resolve the Iranian nuclear, you know, or the Saudi-Iranian problems, or Iraq, or... or, or. The, the, the main thing is to avoid being the battlefield of these, of, of these conflicts, yeah. of which we are on completely opposing sides and we will never agree right so so just avoid becoming being the being the being the being the battle the battlefield and at the same time what's 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 the rationale for not being able to resolve issues like electricity and refuse collection and making making things more efficient and modernizing the economy and fighting corruption we can do all of that but uh, once we, uh, instead of the the, instead of paralyzing each other because we're fighting about things that we will never agree and nobody can win right. on, 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 on it. Now, so that's the gist of it. That's the internal agreement. That's similar to the national pact. That's similar yeah. to Taif. That's similar to. Uh, obviously, it didn't work because. The other side didn't want. To. Yeah. <laughs> so Lebanon will never. Lebanon has, if Lebanon is to become Lebanon again, you would you have to have an um, an agreement by the different uh, views and different factions and different uh, religions groups and different political parties and all that that they want to live together even with their diversity and. And compromise on issues like sovereignty and. Uh, but would it be f safe to say? Because you you attended a lot of those discussions, so you know the backstory to why that happened, why Bob that declaration happened, and why it didn't work. That this whole idea of Lebanon, if if sovereignty is not going to be the focus, then you simply cannot have armed groups because the whole story collapses on its head. The moment one party says no, and they can disagree by force, you can have an armed group, but you don't have that armed group doesn't have to assassinate people who disagree with them. So I think this is an interesting. You, you, an you interesting can have people who who create a rationale for their existence through arms, because that's the way they view. It, because they're part of, they're part of a vision of the region that believes in armed resistance, and there's a lot to. Support that, that vision. Wouldn't a sovereign Lebanon? I know the word doesn't appeal, but wouldn't a sovereign, a slightly sovereign Lebanon, be able to better implement something like the Ba'ath Declaration, so that you didn't? In other words, a, an armed group would not be deemed 
tolerable to a country that has more control over its... So you're, you mean we should have an army that, that's, able, that's able to fight armed groups and... And, and then, that, then, we, then we won't be Lebanon anymore, any, 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 anymore again, either, because we will be under a military dictatorship like the rest of the region, which have sovereignty and which have no. So freedom. let me ask you then: Why do you and think no the two? Why do you think the two are not compatible in Lebanon? What? what well, not, I mean, not the military dictatorship, but more that this idea, the way you eloquently describe it several times in our in our private conversations and in writing. This old way of doing business that should be preserved to a degree needs to be reformed, but it's still the way forward. That it can't be better protected through a sovereign structure. But why does it have to be that open? Open to the point that an armed group. Well, because be because the armed group is part of the regional division, which have, we have no control over. We have to reach an agreement according to the rationale of disassociation or Naib nafs or yeah. Uh, we have to reach an agreement with these people that who, who these people I mean these people who are part of that vision of, yes. of the region. Mm -hmm. That okay, you have this vision of how to solve the problems of the region, and we disagree with it, and we will never agree. But let's not fight that battle on our territory, because it's not our battle. I but agree, but yes. you believe that yeah. resistance is the way, and to that 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 negotiations never reached. Uh, uh, unfortunately, they're right. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, you, you know, look at the prisoner situation. You've had, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, you've had... I, I'm saying it in a different way, that the fact that we had to produce something like the Babda Declaration after years and years of what you're describing as well, yeah. assassinations included, but everything that this form of political violence produces, that the fact that we're even in this tunnel to begin with is because we don't live in a sovereign country. That, that Lebanon, I think, would it be fair to at least suggest that whether it's Fouad Shahab's years or the years surrounding him, mostly afterwards, mm. up until 1970, that there was something that was independent enough about this country yes. that made it workable. That's another theme I wanted to discuss with you because I don't think Fouad Shahab's years are that glorious because they were controlled by the Deuxième Bureau right. who interfered, who was very corrupt, who interfered in politics who, had it not been dissolved, would have created a Mukhabarat state in Lebanon, similar to the one in Syria, similar to the one in other... It may have prevented the, the uh, PLO from emerging. I mean, the PLO, I mean, look, if you look at the PLO, yeah, the PLO was the Hezbollah of, the, of that period, yeah, and that's, if you like, yeah. If uh, uh, the PLO couldn't emerge in Egypt, they were crushed, they couldn't emerge in, in Jordan, they were expelled, couldn't emerge in Syria. They emerged in Lebanon because of the freedom and the tolerance and because half the population who sympathize with them genuinely uh, have the same influence as those who don't. Right, but they're... But I, okay, so, so, so without so going if to... We had, yeah, if we had the Dizian Bureau that was that had mukhabarat and that would torture people and mm. crush them and put them in jail and... Uh, that we would have prevented 
the PLO from emerging in Lebanon, but we would be living under a, something slightly worse than the Ba'ath Party. No, no, no. I think what I'm asking is not going that far, more that isn't that the kind of situation that you would want to reform at the end? A, you don't want a Fuaj Heb type to implement an Assad-style uh, dictatorship or Saddam or whatever. You want that state to, to respect the power-sharing structure that needs to be reformed, yeah. but also can adjust itself to prevent, whether it's yeah. the PLO's weapons of 50 years ago, or for or, that matter, or Iran's Islam. weapons today. Iran, yeah. yeah. So doesn't that, in, 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 in sort of in essence, require... And the assassinations, and the... Everything. Uh, yeah. So doesn't that require a level of sovereignty, not dictatorship, not, not secular... But by agreement, not by, not by a, what you call, what, I mean, what I understand by sovereignty hmm. is a sovereign state that, that has monopoly over power and that can protect the borders and shut down the and control uh, I mean clearly the, that is a better situation born out of agreement rather than disagreement you don't want yes. parties to fight but over, we can we cannot have that so you would go that far to say that that's impossible yeah, yeah, that's in Lebanon impossible. I mean that's that, yeah. but we can have an agreement hmm. we didn't have it because because it was impossible because the because the player we were hoping would come on board into that didn't come on board never meant to come on board and yeah. continued uh, so, and and it's and it's it's doing the same in the region so I don't, am i reading it's it doing right? the same in iraq it's doing the same in in, in yemen it's doing the same in syria it's yeah. it's collapsing the state and taking over am i reading you right in this in, by asking that disassociation is the priority sovereignty is a consequence if it happens out of the disassociation and agreement to not get involved or not to send anyone beyond the borders or let conflicts yes. come in and that neutrality is not the right way to describe it no it's more protection protection it's more, it's more protection by our allies by by the you know we are part of the arab league we're part of the un we're we're protected by are by by Europe, by the EU, by by the, by the United States. We are we are we are part of that. Side. We don't. It, we're not protected by North Korea and Cuba and Iran and and uh, uh, Venezuela. Which, which so there's no situation that you see an independent Lebanon being able to just get its act together and finally. Produce Indep something. No, independent by agreement. You see, by agreement, independent by agreement. Yes. That, so it's really, it's in other words, the monopoly of violence is less important than Bashar Khouri and Riyadh Salah agreeing, or Taif minus Syria and Hezbollah, yeah. or the Ba'ath Declaration where Hezbollah says yes as opposed to no, or sorry, it says yes and actually does what it what yeah. it signed on for. Well, so, but but I mean, we now know that Hezbollah would never have said yes. Right. I mean, Hezbollah was fighting in Syria, in Iraq, in Yemen. In, I just don't know why consensus and sovereignty can't go together. They can't go together, but it depends. You see, we are talking about a game, yes, like football. Yes, we are. You know, it's now football season. Yes, so we are talking about uh, playing football. Yeah. If one of the teams has a sniper on the roof of the next building and, and is shooting at your players, 
doesn't mean there's something wrong with the game. I agree. It means that I there's agree. a player that you cannot play with. But that's exactly what sovereignty takes care of, is that the so sniper is not allowed to shoot. He has to calm down yes. and abide by the terms of the game. Okay, but, there is, but then there is, a, there, is a, there is a danger in which you, you, you have to create a system whereby in the real world, which we are talking about, you have a coercive state that will crush one side and will make the other side win. This is not Lebanon. No, and I don't that's, think that's, Fred Cheb is the type of dictator that... No, no, not Cheb. The system that was around... It was the fashion. This was the 60s, you know. We were a lighter version. This was... In the, in the 50s and 60s, people with the military hat were taking over in Latin America, on Pakistan, in India, in, yeah. in Iraq. In, we had a lighter version of this, and we didn't tolerate it, and we got rid of it very quickly, and we paid the consequences for it. Maybe we needed it. And what words, absolutist words, like sovereignty and... You see... I don't know. I, I think, I mean, it's worth a longer discussion, but yeah. I don't think it's absolutist. I think it's foundational to avoid the five decades or so of what we've experienced in this country. But no, the five decades, are, you, you have the wrong description of the five decades then, because I don't think, I don't think these were, you know, the, the image that, you know, you have a lot of self-flagellation happening in Lebanon now because of... You know, that, uh, that the five decades of the bad side of the story that we were getting There is into. a good side of the story and there's a bad side of the story. There was a better side to the good story prior. Yes. Yeah, and the bad side of the story was less visible prior. Yeah. I think it's more that trying to find a, a, a way to not throw away the sectarian model and not, not embracing a full-on fascist-like secular dictatorship. That's another word I dispute because the Lebanese are not sectarian. I am the only sectarian in Lebanon, as, as, as you know. But the, Lebanese, the, the younger generation... Especially the younger generation are not are not are not sectarian. Sorry, I, I didn't mean it. I think sometimes I use words and they're yeah. we have different definitions. Yeah. You're right, and you've taught you've taught me that. Um, I meant that we don't need to throw away a power sharing model and replace it with a full on secular style uh, government. I think that's the wrong way to do it. Yeah. So that's what I meant by sectarian, and that. It doesn't have to be a European-style secular state. And I don't think we have to go that far. And I think also that reform is possible within a power-sharing structure, and that should be the goal. But I also think that there's something that allows violence to become part of our politics. And I, I agree that protection is necessary, but protection withered over time. Yes, and when protection withers, we, the protected will wither with it. And is there any way for the protected to protect themselves? That's, I think, what I'm trying to get at. That's, that's the big question. I'm not, mm. I don't have an answer to mm. that. I mean, mm. forget about Lebanon for, for a minute. I mean, yeah. Kuwait yeah, is a country that, is, that seemingly is sovereign, but Kuwait in 1990... Almost disappeared. Almost disappeared. Well, actually, it did disappear. Because... Yeah. The American ambassador blinked. Yep, that's true. Yeah, uh, just just a hesitation, a comma. Yep. In, in the script. 
and, uh, you're and, right. and Kuwait is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Kuwait will never develop uh, enough military power to be able to confront Iraq and Iran at the same time, or even even Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, all the threats on, on, on Kuwait. Right. So, that, so and, that and if it does, yeah. if it does, and it has to suppress the people in Kuwait, Kuwait has, you know, Kuwait is probably the only country in in the in the in the Gulf that has diverse politics and <laughs> and real political debates. Yeah. It will not be able to protect itself by su- by su- by becoming dictatorship and by suppressing the, 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 the that that di- that diverse that diversity. But I appreciate that this is an open question that can. It is an open on. question. Yeah, and I think uh, in an ideal world, I would like to have, I would like to have uh, uh, coexistence. I think the word coexistence is far more important than mm. than power sharing. Or mm. we are, we are a pre-modern. Country, we are not a 20th century uh, uh, model country which has uh, secularism, sovereignty, and, and, and all that. So, I think if you're looking at it as a supermarket, it's okay to change a few items in the in the in the shopping cart for the 21st century. Yeah, no, yeah. no, you can you you can do a complete reset. You can do a complete reset. There's nothing. Nothing is permanent. Right. And I think the new generation have uh, totally different ideas. I think yeah. 2005 was the the, the cutoff mm. point. Mm. 2005, the the issues that were that were that polarized the country in 2005 were not sectarian. Right. That, that's right. that's when that's, true. that's yeah. when uh, yeah yeah and and the generation that was brought up after that the, the, I mean sectarianism was diffused in 2000 yep. by the young people who went in I absolutely mean, people forget that in there was a very important episode in in the in the uh, protests in 2005 where people sat in tents and discussed politics over. Yeah. day and night and and uh, they they I, were I actually I mean that's yeah. in memory yeah. yeah 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 and they were people who would uh, whose parents killed each other during during the sure. civil war yeah and uh, I think that was that was a that was a kind of a, re, a, a reset mm. and and uh, we are in for another one because because uh, we are in a post taif period in, of which 15 years were influenced by the Syrian presence, which brought stability, of course, but it also infiltrated every single institution. Absolutely. Every, uh, and and was transforming us into into a kind of a into that, yeah. that kind of society. I mean, sure. we we didn't have we had an army of 10 to 15 thousand people before the the war. Now we have an army of 60, 70 thousand. With seven hundred generals or something silly like that. One could argue, I think, that the Lebanese army today numbers are not the. They have no indication of how strong or weak this. No, is. it's a system which was created whereby, whereby you have an important segment of society which is regimented. Yeah. You know, like 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 in Syria, <laughs> like in Jordan, 
It's a welfare, almost like welfare. I think we will see this reset. If it happens, it'll happen, I think, soon enough because uh, October 17 is going to be tested in Parliament next year. Uh, we're going to see, I think, a lot of these grassroots characters. Yeah, but, that, but, that uh, so basically, this re- re- uh, October 17 re- re- revolution has a lot of work to do and and has to address real issues. It's not kilon. It's not shameful to be polarized. It's not shameful to be political. It's not shameful to have positions. And and uh, uh, they have to appreciate the history, the historical context, and 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 other things. They are on a very negative streak, where they. And they, they, how should I put it? They have very hidden esoteric discussions where they say kolonialism, but they but they mean different things by it. And 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 because they they're, they have this phobia of politics, which they think if we discuss politics, it means we become part of the establishment. We become like them, but they are like them. You know, if you if you compromise and you say let's not discuss the let's not discuss Hezbollah now, like some people are saying, let's discuss uh, uh, the real issues uh, and and avoid the the uh, the uh, controversial ones to maintain unity. They're acting exactly like the political establishment, and this is what got us here. So, so they should have a healthy discussion about the real issues that brought this country around, not about slogans and... and People are presenting themselves, and they don't have an agenda or or a vision for for the country there. I've spoken to many of these burgeoning, let's say, political parties and their leadership. And actually, um, recently I had an episode with a Mintishin member, Rawad Taha. And I've spoken to others from different groups and I think the appetite is there for real change. I think they want to see a version of the reset that you were describing earlier. It may not be the reset that you want, and may not be the reset I want, yeah. but they do want change. And I, I do get the feeling that they're not as absolutist as the way you're describing. I think they're able to talk about Hezbollah. I'm actually... At times, I find it difficult to even bring up the discussion of sovereignty, whether or not you think it's an overrated uh, term. But then I'm surprised. I mean, I did an episode last week with Lori Haitayan from Takadum. I was pleasantly surprised that she was very clear that this is a main issue and it has to be challenged. And it's a bad thing where where you see regional dynamics accepting it. And I, I, that's the kind of language that appeals to me. Yeah. And she represents the opposition. And I think she embraces, and all of them in different ways, I think they embrace this term on their terms. Stopping, I mean, going away from this self-flagellation that, they, that they, this, is, this is not a real country, this is our history since for 100 years has been rubbish and uh, our, we are corrupt and we are sectarian and we are, you know, it's like we have all diseases in the world and uh, it's, 
I think uh, Ibn Khaldun describes it very well. It's like uh, it's like a reverse Stockholm syndrome. They they want they want to be like Syria. They want to be sovereign. They want to be secular. They want to have a strong army. They want to have a cause that unites them. They want you know it's. Uh, uh, this, this I don't know if that neobathists. I don't I think. Call I, them. But I, uh, okay, so let's let's. Let's dissect it just a bit without boring, because uh, yeah. it's a familiar uh, conversation. There are extremists in the opposition camp that are probably more like me. What you're describing? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extremist. <laughs> That's funny. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. That maybe they're happy to see the Syrian presence return. Maybe they'd like to see it. Maybe they're, they call themselves communists, but I don't even know what that means anymore. They, they're just, uh, they're not in it for the right reasons. And I think there's a section of the opposition that's prejudiced. It's unwilling to talk to anyone. Yeah, they're, they're all traitors. All traitors, and maybe the more nuanced conversations, they can explain it. They don't want the kateib in the opposition for a number of reasons. That was a very silly tweet. I mean, a post. I saw it. That, let's not name people. <laughs> but that's, let's say there's a section of the opposition that feels that way. Some of it is principled. Some of it is prejudice. Some of it is dumb. Back to the title. <laughs> dumb politics. And then you have, I think, I hope, the majority, which went to the streets not because they hate being Lebanese or they're self-flagellating, I think they saw something that is fundamentally wrong with the way the system operates, and they want to see it improved. My understanding of Kellon Yani Kellon is less to do with fascism and less to do with Puritanism on both ends. Yeah. I think it has more to do with they all represent part of the problem. They're not necessarily all at the same degree at different times, but the problem has infected everyone. Yes. That I think is true, and I think I don't think it's thought through when you're saying it and chanting it on the street. I think it's just rhythm. But it also dilutes the problem, because, because some people, I mean, the, uh, people who have survived and have compromised. It's like, right. it's like, it's right. like the opposition in Syria who, who accuse each other, who keep accusing each other, because basically, if, if you're alive in Syria, then you've been to jail and you've, be, and you've come out of jail. And if you come out of jail, it means you've made a deal with the Mukhabarat. So the very fact that you're alive is, means, means you're, means you're a, you know, being the, the, only, the, only, the, the only real opposition are the dead ones <laughs> because they, they were never uh, on, on it's, or, or it's like you know, the old witches of Salem, you know, if they, if they float, <laughs> if they float, they're killed. But 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 the, the, I I don't think I think we should go over get oh, I understand the therapeutic value of kolonialism yes, and I understand that there are esoteric meanings and hidden meanings that uh, that when you say kolonialism and someone else says kolonialism, uh, some of some people mean some people mean that. Uh, Hezbollah is not the problem, so <laughs> and some people say it's the only problem. It's the only problem. And, yeah, sure. But but they they both say Kelonianikelon mm -hmm. on on. on the, if you yeah. remember that poster, there was a poster 
in during the Use Think protests. Yeah, yeah with, of course. With everyone on it, including Hassan Nasrallah. And then he was photoshopped out. And then he was photoshopped out. Mm-hmm. And people started... And then you had the po- same poster without him. When people say, it means him. It means only him. <laughs> you see what I mean? I, I yes, but I, I would... And, and others say, meaning, meaning uh, Hezbollah is even the least corrupt of them, haram. And no, they are yes. they they run their their ministries efficiently, and you know that yeah that delusional. So, so, so there yeah. are two. So 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 I think we should go get. And they were happy having the same slogan meaning different things, so that they don't disagree, so that they keep the unity of the revolution. And so unity, I mean, middle sovereignty, unity is way overrated. If you know what I mean. I I would venture to say that when it comes to politics, the way politics is supposed to happen, that, and you've already seen it beginning, coalitions emerge. Uh, People that have served in this state are not all bad. And I think that language is finally being addressed. There's a lot of code used in political discussion among the the, the young people. And there's a lot of fear. You know, if you're really building a country, uh, you're, you're, you're really a new generation within. You should not be, you should not be afraid of each other, and you sh- and you should be open, and you should not lie, and you should be frank. I agree with you, and I think we will see some form of familiar politics emerge. And I think, I mean, it's it's happening. There's disagreement on how you see the Lebanese forces. There's agreement sometimes on whether or not you can talk to the regime. Sorry to use that word. I know it's not. You don't like that word in particular, but I'll, at least the current lineup, you have yeah. somebody who is very, very vocal about wanting the opposition to take hold, who's now in the cabinet, Nasser Yassin. Ah, oh, Nasser, Nasser was. Uh, um, um, with, I mean, he's not. I, he's he was with Mawatinun or Mawatina. No, 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 no. He was at, at least he was at, talking and advising. Uh, burgeoning movements. Yeah, he's been on the podcast many times, talking, yes, talking I, about, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, talking about. No, I was glad he's in the cabinet. I mean, there are good people in the cabinet, but exactly. Yeah. So you can have, I think, these this flexibility is happening. That Nasir Yassin, not to make it about him, but somebody who sees the opposition parties as necessary, at least their expression as necessary, their agency as necessary, is also now in the Najib Miati government. Yeah. So I think there is some flexibility. But I don't think they're as uh, well, hard is, in their there ways. There is fear. You know, people people threaten each other. People call each other uh, 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 traitors. And and our friends have been uh, yeah. uh, called called that. Mm. And they use they use uh, they are very careful with the use of words because they are afraid. Mm-hmm. And there is real fear. I mean, this lachof. Uh, thing and you know, uh, like you're dealing with criminals, you're dealing with, with assassins and criminals, and uh, but no, but that should be, a, but that should be a good sign. It's that you're willing to not let fear dictate your politics, yes, but but uh, you know, this. I mean, I can't stop thinking about 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 her Fatmi Bahadli in 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 Iraq. 
she mm. she mm. she defied the the militias and she said I w- and she was not afraid of them they killed her son her two sons out of uh, we're dealing with criminals I agree and I think one day and we, we should, should be <laughs> well I think overcoming the fear at least in the Lebanese context is primarily saying Hezbollah will not dictate somebody's politics but but they are because they are dictating the language they are dictating the vocabulary yeah they are uh, I, i agree and i think one day we should have this debate if you want because i'd love to debate well, on, bring, on, bring them together bring people together who who call themselves all revolutionaries are on the same front and and, and but, let them debate it and th- that's definitely a debate and that is happening i think slowly but i'd like to have a debate with you over what I still think is foundational. And I think that, yeah. to me, is the way out of Sefer Khof. It's the way out of Bab, the declaration. Uh, it's the way out of our tragedy, I think, is a modicum of sovereignty for this country. But we'll talk about that one day. Okay. Nadeem, I want to say something. So, yes. as always, we do twice as long as we thought, which is a thrill for me. Haram, the people who are listening. Eh? I think nobody is upset that this is... Uh, nearly two-hour episode. I think everybody that I've spoken to who's learned about you or knows about you already from the podcast, uh, always, it's, it's a common message. Keep him on. Bring him back. More Nadim next time. Uh, you, open, you, you open, I think, a bit of imagination and you remove some emotion sometimes with certain words, and I like that. So you can rethink foundation. You can rethink your thoughts on how perspective applies. And I've learned and relearned a lot about Lebanese history. And it starts by talking to you, but then it takes me to other places. So I appreciate the long view, and you're a master at that. Uh, thank so you. Thank you, Nadim. I'm humbled by your words. And thank you for everything. I, I think, just the last word, I think that your podcast is an amazing resource. I will show you inside what I use for the 40s and 50s. I think your podcast is equivalent for, equivalent for that because it has it has a body of opinions and data and arguments that are an amazing resource for for understanding what's happening in the country. Thank you, Nadim. Thank you. We'll take that a step Including further me, one day. Of course. Well, maybe you're the, <laughs> without you wouldn't fly. <laughs> no, it's 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 yeah. it's it includes you and and yeah, it's an honor. Thank you, Nadim. Thank you. Thank you.